The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. If you're wondering what version's up there, it's NIV. And follow along with me as we read, starting with verse 10. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidences of the work themselves. Verily, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you asking you to speak. Uh, We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So, being a pastor can be strange. Uh, It's certainly strange for my family. Uh, My sister has had some uh, interesting ways of dealing with that. Uh, She lived in Chicago for a while, now she lives in New York. And when she would introduce me to her friends, she would say, Hello, this is my brother Josh. He's a pastor, but he's not a jerk. Right? And that was literally what would happen. I mean, I've probably been introduced by my sister that way dozens of times, right? And quite frankly, sometimes she doesn't use jerk. Sometimes she uses a word I probably shouldn't use from the pulpit, right? But you never know how people are going to react when they find out that you're a pastor, right? Some people are really excited and they're geeked. And they're like, oh, that's awesome. I'm a Christian too. And you can have a really good conversation. Other people are like, it just shuts down all forms. And it's like, nope, not going anywhere near that. Uh, and then others... Uh, also have some very charged emotions towards the church, some kind of experience that they've had, and so they bring that into the conversation. Well, those can be really good conversations. They can be really challenging conversations. For me as an introvert, uh, sometimes I like to hide the fact that I'm a pastor, uh, especially if it's someone that I don't know, uh, because a lot of times in that moment, they see me as, oh, I can unload all of this information on you, and if, you're, if I'm never going to see you again, right, then I can get all of this off my chest without there being any real repercussions to it. And pastors know this. A good friend of mine was actually coming home from a mission trip that had really exhausted him. And he was on the plane, and there was an executive sitting next to him and opened up a conversation and said, hey, what do you do? And he was tired and didn't know where that conversation was going to lead. And all pastors have in the back of our pockets things we can say that technically are true, and yet we'll avoid that conversation. So we can say, well, I teach history which is it's just kind of true, or I do community development, or I'm a teacher, or we can kind of be more vague that allows us to not go into those weeds. Well, for whatever reason, my friend looked up and he said, well, I, I work in the family business. And he thought that would be the end of it. But it was an executive, and the executive wanted to know more about this family business. And so he said, oh, that's cool, that's cool. I've always been interested in family-owned businesses. I'm more in the corporate world where there's stockholders and everyone else. But he goes, so is, is, it a, is it a small business or is it more regional? And my friend looked and he stopped and he goes, well, I get, yeah, it's, 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 it's regional. Uh, he's like, oh, so is it, is it state-based or is it, is it larger? He goes, no, no, we're bigger than state-based. He's like, oh, it's a national company then. He goes, well, I mean, I mean, technically we're an international company. And he goes, really? And he goes, well, that's awesome. I mean, to have a business that big, it's family-owned, it's privately owned. He goes, yeah, yeah, my, fa- my father owns it. And... <laughs> Then he's like, oh, good golly. He's like, well, I mean, do you, do you guys own a lot? Do you guys have a lot of, you know, real estate? And he goes, 
we have a substantial amount of real estate, yeah? And now the executive's like, man, have I heard of this? He's like, yeah, you've heard of it. He goes, well, what's your profit like? Do you guys have an income base? And he goes, we, we got a pretty big income base. And he goes, well, I mean, members? He goes, yeah, we have a lot of members. Um, and finally, he's like, where do you work? He's trying to think through. He's like, this, this. He goes, well, I work for the church. And my friend, it was the first time it had really occurred to him how large of a group we're a part of, right? What our father is up to, what our father's business is like. Because often when we think about the church, right, we think about these little um, local outposts, Axland or Hill Country Bible or whatever else. And for sure, God is at work here, but he's a part of something so much bigger. Our father is at work in every part of the world, every continent, and every language, Every island, God is working. And we have brothers and sisters in our faith, in the family business, in every language, in every continent, in every skin color, from every background. And as we're talking about what it means to be unleashed, what it looks like for the church to be at work, a part of it is really diving deep into what does this family look like? What is our God up to? What is his plan? What is he trying to get all of us to move one step at a time towards? So that's what we're going to be looking at today. What does our family look like? What does the family business look like? And you see this with Jesus. And at the early part of his ministry, he says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only sees, he only does what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. We see is that Jesus shows up, and he doesn't have his own agenda. Jesus' agenda is literally just following in the footsteps of what his father had already been doing throughout history. This idea that God was already at work, and that Jesus came to continue that work, in fact, to bring it to completion. And so Jesus wasn't doing his own thing. He came to be a part of the family business. He came to be a part of what God was up to. So the question then is, okay, so what is the family business? What does it consist of? Well, again, we look towards Scripture, and Jesus begins his public ministry going into a temple, and he reads a verse from Isaiah, and it's this. He, Jesus, went up to Nazareth, Nazareth, sorry, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went up to the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In that we see three things. We see proclaiming the good news of God's grace. We see cap- setting those who are captive to sin and the effects of sin free, and the year of the Lord's favor. So starting off, proclaiming the good news. Grace means gift. It's charos, that's what it means in Greek, and it literally just means a gift. 
And so Jesus starts off by saying, well, part of what the family business is, is proclaiming what God is up to, the gifts God has. Things like forgiveness of sins, being brought into a family, having community, not having to be alone anymore. And so part of the family business is literally being the ambassadors of what God is up to, talking through the God that we have, his goodness and his love. But then part of it is this very active setting those who are captive to sin and the effects of sin free, right? Proclaiming sight to the blind. Those who are prisoners in bondage being set free. And we live in a world where there's a lot of bondage, right? In fact, 99% of the brokenness, 100% of the brokenness, comes from the effects of sin. Divorce. Anger. Addiction. Cancer. All of those things came from sin. All of those things lock us in bondage. And Jesus says, I have come to set you free. And finally, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Well, this is an Old Testament reference to the year of Jubilee. And in the Old Testament, there was a time, there was a season where every seven years, all slaves were to be set free. All debts were to be wiped clean. And every 50 years, the year of Jubilee, there would be this season of rest where God said, for an entire year, I don't want you to work. For an entire year, I want you to enjoy life. I want you to rest. I want you to be with your families. I want good for you. Jesus says, I have come to announce the year of the Lord's favor. In Christianity, sometimes we can think that God cares more about fairness than he does about grace. It has to be fair, right, for it to be good. And yet what we see in Scripture is, no, fair isn't really all that interesting to God. What is interesting is grace and love and joy. And he says, and I want you to be able to bring that wherever you go. Jesus finishes this by saying, I tell you truly that this Scripture is being fulfilled among you here and now. It was my father's business, our family's business, He goes, we're setting up shop. We're going to do something new. And then we've been reading through the scripture a lot lately. But John 20, post-Easter, Easter night, as the Father has sent me, Jesus says, so I am sending you. And what I love about this is he doesn't say, as my Father sent me, now I am sending you. He says, the Father. Because he's called to be the Father of all of us. Because of what Christ did on the cross, all of our sins are canceled out. All of the things that would separate us from God, he took care of that on Good Friday. And then on Easter, he comes back and he says, all right, now you're a part of the family. You're a part of what we're up to. And as the Father sent me to proclaim the good news, to set the captives free, to be a part of the year of the Lord's favor. So now I am going to send you out. And we're going to look at that today. What does that look like for us to be a part of the family business? How do we participate in it? What is our role in it? But to start off, I do want to tell you a story that I think is going to set the table well with this. I was about seven years old when my dad first started asking me to work on the car with him. I remember the first time we had to change a tire. And I was inside playing video games, 
And he came in, and he's like, hey, I need your help outside. I'm like, okay. So I get up, kind of begrudgingly, mind you. I was playing video games. Uh, went out, and he's like, all right, so we've got to jack the car up. And then the next thing we got to do is get the lug nuts, uh, lug nuts off the car first, right? So get, got to get those loosened. And I went up there, and I grabbed the, uh, the four-star, and I started trying to turn it, and I wasn't strong enough. And I remember getting really frustrated. And then my dad came up from behind me, and he put one hand on top of one hand, he put another hand on top of the other hand. And then together, we loosened the lug nut. Because my dad wasn't asking me, hey, Josh, I need you to go outside and change the tire. What my dad was saying was, I want to do this with you. I want to teach this to you. I want you to be able to participate in what we're doing for, to provide for our family. And so, one lug knot at a time, my dad put his hands over mine. And then we had to lift the jack up, but I wasn't strong enough to lift the jack, and he did it again. And then I wasn't strong enough to lift the tire off, and so we did it again. And step by step, the whole way through, my dad worked with me. My dad put his hands over mine, and he says, together we're going to do something that you wouldn't be able to do by yourself because I want you to be able to participate. And guys, I want you to hear this today. God wants you to be able to participate in what he's up to. He wants you to participate in the family business. To be able to bring good news. To be able to set the captives free. To be able to part of the year of the Lord's favor where we get to rest. Where we get to celebrate. Where we get to see beautiful things come from the ground that otherwise would have been desolate. And so we're going to look at three ways specifically that we get to participate. All right? And the first and the foremost is praying for what God is up to. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. Prayer is not my strong suit. It's not my natural inclination. I'm a guy who likes to just jump in and get stuff done. All right? Yeah, all right, let's do it, God. Let's go. And I have this tendency where I'll just run in, right? Guns blazing. Let's go to town. And what I forget is that God can do more in 15 seconds than I could do in 15 lifetimes. Right? Sometimes we have this duality in prayer, and we either say, so prayer is either going to affect God or affect the world, or it's going to affect us. And we say it can only be one of those two things, right? It's either prayer is just internal, it's just about what God's going to do for me, or it's just external. No, it's actually going to do something. And what we find in Scripture is, no, it's both. And prayer is one of the ways that God invites us into what he's doing. Right? And what I love about this, right, so one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. Prayer starts by realizing that we are connected to the God of the universe. Not simply as disciples, not simply as acolytes, but as family members. Our Father. And then you go on, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. What are we praying for? We're praying for his business. We're praying for his plans for the world to come. Here on earth, as it already is in heaven, right? The Lord's Prayer teaches us that we get to be a part of what he's doing. And when we pray it, something changes. The world shakes. 
and his kingdom does start to advance into the world, right? And then it goes on, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. The other thing with this is the pluralness of it. Forgive us our sins. Give us our daily bread. It's not just a personal prayer. It's our family's table prayer. It's our family's mantra. It busts us out of our own individuality and says, no, the plight of my brother and sister, the success of my brother and sister in this family is my success, is my plight, is my opportunity to lean in because God says we are a family now. And then it continues on and it says, suppose you have a friend you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me a loaf of bread. The friend of mine, uh, for a friend of mine has, on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer. Suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children are already in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. But I tell you, even though he will not get up for the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. All right? So you first have this one part where God is saying prayer changes things. Right? Continue prayer changes things. But then he goes on and he changes it. And he says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And then he connects it to our father. Which of your fathers, he says, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if it asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He ties prayer into our relationship with our Father. He says prayer will change things. Ask, you will receive. Knock, that door will open. When you're participating in what God is up to, prayer changes things. Prayer is the most powerful asset the church has to changing a broken world. And as Christians, when we pray, we participate in what God is up to. But then it's not just simply, okay, I'm going to pray and then leave it alone. No, God says, I want you to be able to participate in what I'm up to. I want to actually let you get your hands dirty a little bit. I want your hands on the tools, God says. And this blows my mind. So this section of scripture comes from John 10, and it was what uh, Drew read earlier. It says, don't, believe, uh, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father, the Father is in me? The words I say, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is me, or at least believe in the evidence of the works themselves. Now catch this. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Think about that statement. Jesus says, whoever believes in me will do the same type of things I'm doing. You're going to be a part of the family business. But then he says, and they will do even greater things than these. Think about that comment for a moment. Jesus tells his followers, you're going to do bigger things than I've done. He did some big things. <laughs> he fed the hungry. He healed the sick. Everywhere he went, things got better. 
And he says, because I am going to the Father, now when you go, you're going to have that same charge. You're going to be able to participate in the same way, he says. He says, and actually, you think what we've done here in Israel is a big deal? This little patch of the world? He goes, I'm going to change the entire world through you. You're going to get to participate, and so it's not going to be one country that's going to be fixed. No, we're going to fix the entire world together, he says. He goes, because I'm going to our Father, because of this thing called Easter, because of this thing called church, he goes, I'm going to send you out, and we are going to leave the world forever changed. Then he ends and he says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Guys, that is a huge promise from the God who conquered death, who conquered sin, who conquered brokenness. And he goes, guys, I want you to be a part of what me and my Father and our family is doing and we get to participate in that. God invites his children He says, I just need you to put your hands on the tools. And I promise we're going to do it together. And then the last way we do it is we get to invest in what God is up to. And investing is a weird world. Sometimes within the church world, we kind of separate it. And we're like, well, we're going to say giving to the church. And we're going to say investing in retirement or in our home. But really, when we're talking about giving to the church, we're actually saying, God, we believe you're up to something here. We believe that you're moving, and we want to participate in that. We want to invest in things like acts of love or in partnering with a school or in believing that when we proclaim the good news of Jesus to a broken world that you're changing something. God says you get to be a part of that investment in the same way that you would invest in a retirement fund or in a home because we believe in it. Jesus says this, In Luke, he says, do not be afraid, little flock. Again, he connects it to the Father. For your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. A few weeks ago, we talked about how the kingdom, another way to translate that would be, he has given you the future. So sell your possessions. Give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth will destroy. For wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says, trust me. Because I want you to be able to participate in what I'm doing. And part of that is realizing that, yeah, we get to invest in the kingdom. We get to invest in God's word being proclaimed. We get to participate in that. And these, are, these three areas, praying, participating with action, and financial investment, we're all in a different place. And each of us are going to find some of these more easier than others, Right? Some of us, it's really easy to write the check. It's hard to find the time. Others, it's really easy to pray or or to jump in, but it's hard to be, look at our financials and be like, God, I don't don't have that much. I'm not sure if this is going to even help. But here's the thing with working with my dad on the car. My dad didn't need my help. He could have done it faster by himself. And yet what my father wanted was for me to participate. He wanted me to bring my little, my little hands, my little strength. He says, just bring that. Bring what you have, and I'll take care of the rest. Because ultimately, when we're a part of what God is up to, 
That's all he's asking for. He's saying, trust me. Show up. And I promise I will provide the strength. I will provide the power. I will provide the opportunity. He says, I will provide for you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father, our father, has promised you the future, he says. You are not alone. You are protected. You are cared for. And church, hear me clearly. You are a part of what God is doing in Leander, in North Austin, and in the world. And that is a good thing. We get to be a part of the family business of what God is doing and has been doing for 2,000 plus years. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you humbled that we get to be a part of your family, humbled that we get to be a small pair of hands on the tools of your redemption and salvation for the world. Lord, we pray for your wisdom and your strength and your courage as we participate in what you're up to. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. We're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to ask you guys to stand up, and I've got a question. You guys are going to talk to each other for a quick moment. Talk to someone you don't know and answer the question, what is one thing that you are excited about that God is doing at Acts? As far as our family business, as far as what we're doing here, talk to someone you don't know and uh, say that, and we'll invite the children back in, and then we'll do communion. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.